Hello. Hey. All right, we got a movie to get through. Communist movie night. Let's do it. Back again. What was the last one we did? I think... Oh, I don't remember. Was it Pride? No, it wasn't that long ago, was it? No, it was Dr. Strangelove. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kyle was talking about that the other day. He was like, it was like really good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. A classic for a reason. Yeah. All right, but today we're going more... More pulpy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But a classic (laughs) in its own right. Uh, The movie for today is Total Recall. Okay. I am curious how we're going to stretch this conversation out. Because, like, I I didn't find that much in it. I mean, I get it. Like, the central premise. I get it. But I don't know. It didn't feel particularly juicy to me. I had the same reaction on a (laughs) rewatch. Okay. But I did some marinating with it and found a few things to pull out okay okay great uh so background notes on this we're talking about the 1990 movie total recall there is like a crappy remake of this in 2012 oh i didn't even know about that yeah i mean it had brian cranston in it wow could have been great it was i think it was panned i don't think people liked it but the main bad guy he was brian cranston and I think the main guy was Colin Firth, I want to say. Colin Firth. Wait, Colin Firth or Colin F- uh, Farrell? Farrell is... Farrell's the big eyebrows. Firth is the king speech. Oh, not not Colin Firth. Colin Farrell. <laughs> I always mix them up. So I have to check. <laughs> I'm glad it's not hilarious. just me. Just a, a little meek little British man like, oh, uh, oh my, they're about to kill me. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> uh, that's, that'd be funny. No, um, not that one. Uh, The 1990 movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. That was a trip. Interesting (laughs) casting choice, I gotta say. It it was kind of funny in that regard. Uh, It's directed by Paul Verhoeven. He's the guy that directed RoboCop. I saw that. As well as, you know, uh, some other good ones. Starship Troopers is one. Once When when we start to see just too much fascism out there and we want to... We want to have a little counter dose to that. We can get on that. It's not like pro-communist so much as anti-fascist. I mean, I'm down for that too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's based on a 1966 short story by Philip K. Dick. I saw that in the credits. I was surprised. Yeah, it's so it's based on the premise and the whole like trip to Mars. There's a recall company. It's got elements, but in the philip k dick short story we can remember it for you wholesale uh they don't actually like do the mars journey thing it's just a memory they do kind of a time skip sort of um okay okay so they don't have that whole like air subplot right yeah okay it's just the the premise of injecting memories yeah and the secret agent stuff and then it's it's got the ambiguity Mm. so it's got a lot of the elements there but obviously you had to add more to it. it was a very short story so yeah, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sharon Stone, Rachel Dakotin, Michael Ironside, and Ronnie Cox. This is our main cast. Okay, I only know one of those people. <laughs> you know Sharon Stone? Look what up Sharon else is Stone. she in? Is she the brunette in the movie? No, she's the she's, she's Lori. Yeah. Okay. Sharon Stone. She was in a bunch of movies I've never seen. Uh... 
this is really funny. The only movie that I've seen of hers it looks like is the movie Ants with a Z. Oh, Ants. That's a good one. That's <laughs> a honestly, one. that and Bugs Life would be a good communist movie night. I pairing. agree. We could do a double feature. <laughs> they are. That's revolutionary shit a la Chicken Run. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I saw part of Casino, but I got bored. <laughs> The movie starts with a dream sequence of two people on Mars walking around. And then one of them, dumbass Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> character, uh, who we find out is called Douglas Quaid, uh, falls down into the pit. And Why was he walking so fucking close to the edge of that cliff? Yeah, I don't, Mars is not OSHA compliant. Um, we find <laughs> out later it's run by a corporate tyrant. That's true. So That's true. Very unsafe. You know, yeah. Um, I also want to do a little bit of setup for <laughs> just to set the scene of me watching this movie. Uh, so my living room is hilariously empty right now. It's just like my desk and a yellow, like shitty chair. Um, and <laughs> it was just that chair centered on my TV, and I'm like looking up because the TV's over the fireplace. So it looks like I'm like intensely meditating on this movie. <laughs> just like, it's just me and the screen. That's your, it. Your movie meditation chamber. <laughs> Although yeah. um, the subreddit TV too high uh, Ooh, criticizes yeah. the both of us. We both have TVs above our fireplaces. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, my excuse is my, that room is not built for a tv to be anywhere actually i mine isn't either it's very like i don't know where else to fucking put it (laughs) uh so yeah he he wakes up from this dream after having died in it basically he 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 starts this comical like explosion of his face sort of thing yeah the eyes go nuts (laughs) yeah which looked cool back then probably looks kind of funny now also, I read that, like, the science of this does not work out, that even in the vacuum of space, you don't, like, explode like that. Really? You freeze first, no? Yeah. Right. So, you know, he'd probably have something like that, but, or, or suffocation and things, but. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of curious about that. Like, I think they played really fast and loose with how long it takes to suffocate and, like, explode and freeze and all the different ways you die in space. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks cool. It looks very cool. <laughs> He wakes up from that. Oh, it's a dream. Quaid's scared. We meet his wife, uh, Lori. Then he kind of gets ready in his in his futuristic uh, apartment. This is where he watches the news, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see the news scene. And there's a few things you kind of glean from the news report, I think. What did you what did you pull from that? So we find out that Mars has been colonized by mostly this guy and his company, Uh his name is uh, Cohagen. Yeah. yeah, Cohagen. Vilos Cohagen. Or Velos, I don't know. Ooh, Velos sounds evil. Obviously evil. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> so they're, they're using Mars for its ore. It's, uh, it's like turbinium or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turbidium, I think. Immediately, the media is characterizing this, this conflict between the company and the uh, Martians that live there as... Uh, terrorists and extremists who want independence uh, and are causing all kinds of problems. Yeah, and they re- they really have like the camera in the thick of the battle. Uh, the terrorists are blowing stuff up, you know. They don't get into the, why might these people do this? They're just, <laughs> no. it's just, they're terrorists. They're bad, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and even uh, 
what's his name? Doug is like, they're, you know, lazy mutants or something. Is it him? He calls the mutants lazy or is it Cohagen? Somebody does in this news. Somebody does. Yeah. And so, so there's a couple of things in this too, though, the, that come out in the newscast. So the Northern block of the world, uh, I think this is of earth is who colonized Mars. Oh, I didn't catch that. Okay. And there's something about the Southern block having a numerical advantage. And that the, the, the Teridium thing is the only, like, is the only, you know, thing that's keeping the North, uh, the Northern block, you know, in its position of supremacy, despite having fewer people is because it has this like technological military advantage. Oh, I was wondering, cause they like, at one point someone's like, oh, they're just using us for their war. And I'm like, who are they fighting? Like, is it some alien culture we have not met? Or, like, I was not clear on that, but that would make sense. Yeah, I think it's an analog for like, it's their sci-fi future version of the global south. Yeah. Know? I think Damn. it's there. It's in some sort of political unification uh, or, you know, a block. So maybe a, a, in a federation of, of countries and, you know, they're probably red in some way. They're probably, you know, communist or socialist or something trying to fight back and, and, and keep their sovereignty. I mean, you've probably got some souped up version of NATO at this point uh, in the Northern block. I know that, that part to me was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Good catch. Uh, Cohagen and his, in his speech in the thing or whatever is like talking about, you know, he's going to use the troops to, uh, ensure that production keeps going. Oh, it, it is Cohagen with the lazy mutants just because of a bunch of lazy mutants. <laughs> <laughs> he says he's going to use troops to ensure production, classic fascist tactic. Also, the policy of the U.S. government um, in the event of any sort of labor action that, quote unquote, threatens national security. Mm-hmm. Like you saw in the preempted railroad strike, the uh, for, full force of the federal government you know, they would say up to and including troops would would be levied against people if need be. Yes, yes. That's not a thing that is just in history. That is a thing that is still happening. Yeah, and that sort of nationalization, that's actually, that's literally a law of Defense Production Act of 1950. Like, the president does have that sort of, to us, to regular people even, ridiculous seeming authority. Uh, but guys, it was the Cold War. I mean, you know, you had to do it. Uh, yeah. Uh, they have their conversation about Quaid wanting to go to Mars. It's this big dream of his. He keeps dreaming about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. He keeps seeing this woman in his dreams and, and like his wife is weirdly jealous of this woman and like ask questions and stuff. And yeah, he keeps bringing up Mars like over and over again. And like, he wants to go visit and she's like, why the fuck would like, she's really discouraging him, which I thought was interesting when we'll learn why. <laughs> yeah. I, it's ambiguous. At first, Cause I think at first he's like, let's move to Mars. And then he's like, mm-hmm. well, let's just go visit. Like he's just obsessed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just a Mars fanboy for some reason. Yeah, but she's, yeah, like you said, insistent on not doing that. And when he leaves to go to work, he says something interesting, I think. It's just kind of dropped in the movie, and it's not a big deal. But he says, I feel like I'm meant for something more. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? And, like, I think you are right that we have to stretch a little bit. <laughs> because the movie's not really trying. It does have basic premises, but it's not really hitting you over the head with it. Uh, 
when he says that he, you know, we find in the course of his life, he's a regular worker, you know, and, and he is living in this totalitarian state. He gets some of these creature comforts and stuff, but he has a relatively simple life and is asked really don't question the government, play your role and everything will be fine. And he's kind of challenging that and saying, I think I want you know, I want to do something with my life. I want to be more than that. I think we can kind of see ourselves as the working class in that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, like I kind of felt bad for the wife at first, you know, and and first glance of this, because she was like, I mean, I, you're my husband, like, isn't that cool? (laughs) No. And, Mm -hmm. and I do, I do think like humans are uniquely good at like making themselves upset (laughs) True, and always searching for more and reaching for more. But I also think that is what makes us human. And like, that's a thing you should look into. So yeah, I think the difference is instead of leaning into like, okay, you know, he could have gone a totally different way of like, okay, well, I'm going to work really hard at work and like become promoted and start a company or whatever, get into the hustle grind set. But instead, he was like, well, I want I I want something more powerful than that, like something, I mean, eventually revolutionary, and he very much does make that choice. Yeah, I think it's in that vein he's drawn also toward mars that he's watching terrorist attacks happen Mm -hmm. but he's still like that's where i want to go like that's yeah that's a great point and and it's this it's very unconscious i think at this point it's and i think this is where why it's a good parallel because so many of us like on some level we you know you guys listening you you know you're you're (laughs) in the veil back all right but but there's lots of people in your life who feel this on some level that the world is not as it mm-hmm. should be, right? And we, we don't necessarily, you know, they don't necessarily understand, uh, you know, enough of like why that is the case. You know, uh, it's it's not like a self thing. It's a, we understand that, you know, we're enough as people and everything, but it should be different. Like I should have a better, you know, stake in the world. We yearn to, you know, to make the world a better and people, you know, maybe not understand that the steps of that, of what that would entail, but they, you know, feel like the world should be better for everybody. Quaid's at this step, I think is he doesn't really understand it past just being a vague notion, but something's not right. You know? Yeah. At this point I was like, well, maybe he's got some PTSD or something or, or, you know, like those are my, my initial guesses. So let's find out. All right. So he heads off to work. Very walkable city. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say for a fascist capitalist regime, regime like great public transit. Like, oh my god, I tweeted this earlier, and I'm saving it for our <laughs> shoot the shit next week. But like, I have a lot of feelings about how badly I want a high speed rail in this country. <laughs> <laughs> you want those 15 minute cities? Yes, I do. I want all of it. You would. You would as a communist because we all know it's a communist plot. I mean, fuck it. It sounds great. <laughs> Describe that <laughs> yeah, to anyone. Like, They'll be like, yeah, I would like to, th- to do that, please. <laughs> uh, shooting for this movie actually was done almost entirely in Mexico City. Really? Yeah. And um, they have really big studios there uh, called Estudios Churubusco. Uh, and and I think they shot some of the, either the principal photography or some of these scenes, I think, in the Metro. <gasps> really? Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So, 
like, you know, the, I mean, the Metro parts of it and everything and the signage and stuff. It is kind of like retro futurist looking. It is. Yeah. I thought it looked great. I couldn't tell, like his apartment looks like it is connected to the Metro. Like it's the same building almost. Yeah. I think it's connected all, all in the tunnels. Uh, in the short story, they mentioned that peds are, you know, hoarding through all the just teeming in the tunnel like the, it apparently this is what people do in that world okay. uh, both in the short story and here he goes through like the very convenient version of tsa <laughs> i know I, I my note was uh i hope our x-ray technology has gotten better or else you're getting blasted with rays <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine it's very brief yeah uh, and maybe it's a different. It's a different ray. It's not the I'm X hoping. Ones. Yeah, it's, you don't. You don't have to wear a lead <laughs> vest for that one. Yeah, uh, but I liked it in that it's less invasive than ours oh, in terms yeah. of seeing all your bits. Yeah, it's just your bones, and it's more convenient. You don't have to, you know, and you have to take go through off. the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wish it had just in that aspect. Their totalitarian state is less <laughs> obtrusive than ours. <laughs> and and also the public transit. <laughs> yeah, he gets on the subway. He goes, I think maybe in 1990 it was futuristic to have a bunch of TVs. In, in the subway, yeah. Subway. But I mean, I think some, depending on where you're at, I think some places have video ads and stuff now. If anything, Ubers have them. They drive me nuts. Yeah, oh, they have them in like the back of the headrests yeah, or whatever yeah they're oh. all these like horrible like quiz app game show thingies of like take a trivia quiz and i'm like i get motion sick please stop showing me text right in front of my mm, face yeah <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> uh so he sees this ad for recall and he's like recall that sounds kind of cool plants this idea we see him briefly at work flouting completely safety regulations <laughs> Like, there's a dude in the background with his helmets and stuff on. Like, there's several of them. But him and his buddy. Just, they don't need those. They're main characters. They're old school. They're (laughs) grandfathered in or whatever. Oh. And Um, then there's also a crane, like, super close to him. I'm like, that doesn't seem safe. But okay. He talks to his friend and he's like, "Don't, don't go do the memory thing. You'll get lobotomized. He's like, oh. But. He goes and does it anyway. That's his next stop. Yeah, he's like, actually, no, fuck you. Lobotomy, sign me up. (laughs) It sounds great. One thing I noted just as a funny difference from the short story is when he goes in, the receptionist is changing Mm. her nail color. I love that tech. I want that for my hair. That'd be amazing. (laughs) Well, in the short story, it wasn't so much a tech thing. There was a slight tech involving maybe body paint because in the short story it was the 60s and philip k dick i guess oh no because uh the receptionist was just topless okay uh had great boobs okay uh, and would have them spray painted uh or painted a body paint i don't know how it was done but painted like vibrant <laughs> colors and you know so one day it goes in they're like blue and the other day they're like bright orange or what something. the fuck is that uh, going to be the newest trend that's yeah. That was that was the prediction in okay, the sixties. Okay, okay. I mean, we're already trying to free the nipple. Next stop is paint the nipple crazy colors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. But they went for the tamer nails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would like that technology first if I can pick. I'd rather have the nail changing and the hair color changing, uh, <laughs> just if I had my druthers. Uh, yeah. So he's in recall. I don't think a lot 
um, happens here in terms of our stuff. So the, but the basic plot, uh, they offer him the, the Mars package. They kind of give him the ego trip option too of being a different person, like a secret agent, all that. And he's like, Oh, that, that sounds cool. Let's do that. He undergoes the treatment and like right after the, you know, the camera goes away to the main guy, you know, doing a deal with some other client when he gets called back in because apparently Quaid is freaking out during the procedure. Oh yeah. He got to also like pick, pick a his lady. details. Yeah. He gets to pick a woman and they ask him like what kind of women he likes and like they got, he's got to be honest and everything. And the, what cracked me out is the body types were like, slim athletic or voluptuous and i could not tell the difference between the first two except maybe the boobs were slightly smaller on athletic which is code name for small boobs in case you're no, wondering no, 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 no um it's slim i think they were smaller oh okay interesting usually it's the other way i think slim was like very small very small okay athletic it was like very skinny basically skinny okay, slim okay. was saying and then and yeah then athletic was a little bit and then voluptuous was like just huge. Uh, not curvy, I would say. Not but just fat like, at all. Just just fucking huge tits and ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they couldn't conceive of a person being attracted to a fat woman. They're like, you don't want that, right? <laughs> yeah, which in the real... <laughs> I mean, if this was really a technology, they would find out pretty quick. We've got to change this. Yeah, like, it's like, oh, people, people are coming into in that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, hey, th- none, none of the above. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. He also got to decide on her temperament. Oh, God. And she asks if he wants her to be sleazy. Sleazy. But but the screen on there, I thought just vocab wise was even funnier. Wanton. Wanton is good. Yeah. But I like how she changed it to sleazy. She's like, no no one knows what wanton is. I'm going to say sleazy. (laughs) It's called bedside manner, folks. Yeah. Right. Uh, So, yeah, that, that was kind of pre-procedure, but I, I thought that was funny. It's hilarious. Uh, and the mannequins, too, were so stupid looking, like, for the, picking the hair color oh, and the ethnicity. Ugh, yeah. Oh, that was like, so I'm not icky. attracted to any of that, actually. <laughs> he picked, like, the creepiest dime store mannequins you could. Ugh. When he freaks out, the guy comes in, he chokes him out. He's, you know, really violent towards everyone. They managed to put him down, but as he's doing that, he's like, you blew my cover. I'm not Quaid. And so we think, as the audience, like, okay, well, something went wrong. Like, he's in too deep with this program, blah, blah, blah. But then the the late, the, I almost said the lady scientist. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the doctor there is, is saying, uh, we never even Im- implanted the memory. So he's getting this on his own. It's still unclear what's going on, really. He just freaked out. They're like, we must have fucked up, is what the scientists come across as, like, Oh shit! He had memories wiped that we were trying to overwrite here. And the the young scientist says, "Oh, we know who that is. Like, like that's the agency." And the other scientist slaps him, like, "Don't fucking say that name out loud." Yeah, they're freaked out because that those are the guys you don't want to cross. You'll end <laughs> up uh, just just dead. I would say you know conveniently disposed of, but in this universe, I think oh, just no. shot in the streets, just blasted. <laughs> that's all they do. That's solution to everything. It's just, and it's out in the open. There's, it's there's so like funny. No, <laughs> I think that's that's a big part of this movie too. The the wanton violence. Oh yeah, the is sleazy this violence. intentional theme? <laughs> the sleazy violence. <laughs> uh, it is this intentional theme. I think that we'll get yes. back to you in a bit. Yes. 
So they freak out and they're like, okay, try to wipe his memory of this company and dump him somewhere. You know, just take him in a taxi and get rid of him. And so they do that. They put him in a creepy little <laughs> robot taxi and it was like a Johnny cab. Yeah. Self-driving car with a weird little <laughs> dummy guy in there. It's just horrifying. And he gets out near his home and he, he sees his buddy from work and he's like, hey, uh, how, how'd it go? And like, he finds out that he was at recall. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't remember that at all. And then his buddy pulls a gun on him. Turns out his buddy is actually a plant, probably from this mysterious agency. Yeah, they he get he has like a trio of goons to haul haul him off, and they're I think just gonna either execute him or take him in. It's not really clear because he just starts throwing down. Like they do a big fight. <laughs> they do a big fight. I did have subtitles on, and I got to see the caption "neck breaks" a lot. Yes, so yeah. that was really crunchy <laughs> that was a classic uh 90s act 80s uh -huh. and 90s action move action movie move you know just yeah i feel like now we're more into just like a hit and they go down and we don't like obsess over that dude there's i was thinking about this this whole movie is like this is really throwback of and i think intentionally thematic but just that genre it too uh, is very visceral combat that's not as like Maybe in our maybe well choreographed, but it's not like as clean kills either. It's not as like blasty, kind of silly, you know, gun violence and whatever. Like a lot of that is clean, and just afterward, maybe there's a little, you know, a, a little pool spurt. Of blood oozing or something. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I just don't watch enough horror or action, but. I think, yeah, horror is probably where the gore comes to play more, but I would agree our action movies are pretty sanitized now, I think, as a large result from Marvel movies being aimed at kids. So they're like, we mm -hmm. probably can't, like, get nasty. Yeah, the bigger your audience is, the better your sales are going to be. And so unless you're going for specifically some sort... But I, I just don't think the that type of action movie is as prevalent. But. I don't think so. Like, even... I'm trying to think of what, like... Has been out recently. Maybe the Bourne stuff used to do that. I don't know. I feel like that was still like pretty clean, considering. It was just a different moment in American history, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so he gets he gets away from that. He gets to his uh, after dispatching all those guys. He gets to his house, uh, and his wife's like, "What the fuck? You went to recall, you dumb <laughs> asshole." She's pissed about it. She's like, "No, you're having paranoid delusions." Like, clearly, this is just the program fucked up. And then he shows her his hands. And I'm like, how did she not notice the blood on his hands earlier? But okay. <laughs> yeah. She's just she's not into hands. She doesn't pay attention I to that. I guess not. Uh, when he goes to wash that off, she calls this guy. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've seen him at that point yet. So he's just mystery guy. And when he comes out, blam, she started <laughs> she shooting started at him. shooting at him. And, and they have a huge fight. Like, just, you know. Punch in, kick it. He gets kicked in the nuts. Like, he gets kicked in the nuts times. a lot. I'm surprised he's still up. Uh, <laughs> can we talk a little bit about the casting here of, of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Sure, yeah. Okay. I found it like 10% distracting. <laughs> because like the premise is, oh, I'm just some normal guy. And it's like, dude, your arms are the size of watermelons. Like, I don't know if you're just like a normal guy. <laughs> Yeah, th so that did involve, obviously, a rewriting of 
parts of the script to make him from the original short story version of a clerk. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, Hilarious. Clerk. He's, like, he's like hunched over a <laughs> Just big keyboard. Fucking Clark Kent ass. <laughs> so at least he has the big ass jackhammers and, and okay. doing all that, you know? Okay, that helps a little. But the casting here is intentional in that Schwarzenegger was really the driving force behind getting this movie out of development hell. Really? Well, you gotta get a big name. It was like bought in the 70s or something. Wow. And, but people like fucked around trying to, you know, come up with a screenplay and then it wasn't working. And then various companies were like going under while having it. And he was interested in it and wanted to, wanted to make, you know, make it into something. He's kind of the one that got whatever, Corelco. Corelco? Yeah. I whatever think so. the production um, company. Yeah. He got them to convince them to make it and, you know, star him in it because he was at the height kind of of his popularity then so he was like i mean you're gonna make money because i'm in it and mm-hmm. there you go interesting I, that is very interesting i wonder what he liked about it besides you know the action hero hunkiness of it yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i think that was my thing that i found like slightly distracting of of just like how fucking huge he is and like you're the, the worst possible person to try to go undercover like <laughs> you also have yeah. a very distinctive accent and no yeah, one he else in this, like an- <laughs> this world has an accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't sound like anyone else. So no, it's why? like, does Austria still exist? Like, or what are which we they doing? Didn't, yeah, they didn't give accents to anyone in, in Mars, Mars, which we'll go to later. Like, no one has a regional accent. No, unless. everyone sounds very similar. Like, it's very, yeah, it, it's just, and I'm like, well, if they wipe, did they wipe all of his memories? Like, would he, I think it'd be, like, interesting if he came back and then he didn't have an accent or something. Like, they made that yeah. flip. That would be kind of If they made cool. Hauser have, like, a regular accent, but what would you do? You would dub that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if he can do a regular accent. No offense, Schwarzenegger. I don't know your full resume, but <laughs> anyway, those are I've never thoughts. seen him do one, I don't think. I've but. never seen him do it. But I mean, you're you're welcome. Come on the show. Come on the show. Let's Dude. talk. Let's talk. If you were, if you chose this for this movie for the right communist reasons, then please come on the show. Hell yeah, <laughs> Comrade Schwarzenegger. But he was a Republican governor of California. Yeah, exactly. So. That's what I'm saying. It's like I don't doubtful. Yeah, I'm not thinking. He wasn't that's a the he case. wasn't a real Republican. I'll give him that. But he was a celebrity still. Republican. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So they have a big fight. They have a big fight, and she tries to distract him at some point, and is like. Oh, let's, you know, fuck one more time for old time's sake. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, this okay. is after she reveals, though, in the oh, course yeah. of this fight, that she's only known him for six weeks, that this whole cover story, like, was implanted. Implanted yeah. memory. She's on an assignment, you know, whatever. Yeah, and then she's like, for old time's sake, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, were, you were a pretty good assignment, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I did like fucking. Which, oh. I mean, I, I would have to say, yeah, thanks, you know. Yeah, like... <laughs> Okay. Silver lining, I guess. But, <laughs> um, but the the reason I brought that up is that I thought it was very funny. Like he realizes, okay, this is a trap because he sees on the cameras that there's guys coming after him. He does say clever girl, which is a very famous line from Jurassic Park, which came out later. Yeah, this was in my notes, too. Okay. I was like, oh, did they are they originated secretly the clever girl line i was confused uh, yeah i wonder if they did like i wonder if like total recall was very popular then that was actually a reference i'm i'm curious yeah uh, i don't know the origins of because yeah I, i'm like you i i knew it as a jurassic park reference but as they say in music everything is sampled so that's true uh, <laughs> that's true it's all just references okay another big chase 
fight scene. Yeah. My my only note for this is they go back to the x-ray machines. Impressive that they have clamped down on gun control because it's like a big deal that someone has a gun. Um, they're like, oh, shit, that guy has a gun. I'm like, okay, well, you know, apparently, uh, what's it called? Concealed carry is no longer a thing here. <laughs> and also, I just wrote Skeleton Fight because I like that we got to see Skeletons fight. And I bet that was extremely cool in the 80s. Oh, sure. I thought it was cool now. I but... thought it was pretty good looking for all things considered. <laughs> but yeah, that had to be mind blowing in 1990. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun. <laughs> also, how did he know that he could break through that screen? I mean, you, you can, you got to try anything, you know? I guess. I'm like, dude, that if I saw an x-ray panel, I wouldn't just assume I can bust through it. I would assume I would run into it and fall down. Yeah, maybe his company had, you know, had the contract for the mm, Metro and he knows. You know, installed it. You know, or, <laughs> or he talked to the installer guys. He probably just jackhammered the whole thing out. Oh, of, yeah, yeah. You know, bedrock. But <laughs> He built those tunnels. But uh, the only other thing I guess that we learn in that in this scene, before right before the chase, is that Richter is involved with yes, uh, Lori, mm-hmm. his quasi wife, which I guess comes into play later. Uh, but they have a you know big gore chase, some human <laughs> shield action. Oh yeah, uh, that was gnarly. Shooting out metro windows. Oh yeah, yeah. This is really where we start to see like, man, this is like a CIA wet dream of like, what if I could just blast everybody? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's kind of commentary on the agencies, which is just a, a we know. incredibly thin veil for the, the <laughs> central intelligence the agency. <laughs> really hiding it. I see. It's taking a step forward. It is, it is doing a sci-fi hypothetical of what if, but the only what if is what if the, just the, unrestricted violence that we wage on you know periphery countries uh, you know on on the global south what if that was brought home that's the only increase like it's these guys do this with impunity elsewhere and that is a really interesting element of dystopian sci-fi and and i've read a little bit about this recently in regards to the handmaid's tale of a lot of dystopia is just saying what if this happened to white people yes <laughs> like yeah. truly or what did this happen? Yeah, you know, partially racially. Uh, and I, I, I think that's a good point to race because if you look at the gun violence in Chicago, uh, if you look at the gun, you know, gun violence, if you look at police violence uh, that's happening to communities of color, they are living a different existence depending on their zip code compared to you know, white Americans, in, even within the U.S. like So, like, that's the reality for a lot of people. And I, I think it sucks that, like, fiction has to play that role of, like, hey, have empathy. <laughs> but it does. And, and it, it's a useful tool in that way. But it also, like, I think we need to remember the reality for a lot of people. Yeah, because really only in the reality, uh, the problem is if, if you look at those sci-fi depictions and you say, damn, that sucks. We should never have, have that. It's very easy for the government government to come back and say, oh, yeah, all right, we won't do that to you. Uh, and then just not mention that they are already doing that and will continue to do that in so many other places. And you just don't get to hear about it. And it's you know? easy for the audience to self soothe and say, well, at least it's not that bad. Yeah. It could be worse. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> at least we're not there. Ugh. Yeah. So here we, um, 
at the end of this scene, we do find out that Richter and his crew are kind of doing a rogue agent yes. situation. Yes, I love it. I mean, I don't it's, love it, but it's hilarious. They do the classic, like, oh, hey, I'm, oh, I'm losing you here. through a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, child's like, the guy definitely knows, too. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, yeah, uh, his buddy's, like, laughing. <laughs> yeah, right. Cohagen says, you're supposed to get Quaid alive. And Richter's like, no, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Uh, of course, I mean, this This is the agency. This mm-hmm. is what the CIA does. And I think similar to the CIA, which also has, you know, rogue elements within it with yeah. their own agendas. Uh, police do, too. <laughs> po- po- yes, but uh, police and the CIA, I would thank you for bringing them up, too. Uh, they should definitely be included in this is those agencies cultivate this atmosphere, this culture in which these uh, rogue elements thrive. And they do that on purpose. As we'll see in the movie later, Cohagen's like, yeah, I knew you, you know, you were kind of your own, you know, on your own. I didn't give you enough information to figure out. It was compartmentalized and he is kind of upset at elements of what he does. Sure. But that's, you know, kind of like the CIA and kind of like the cops too, is they, you know, show their whole ass sometimes and get, their agency in trouble but at the same time there's plausible deniability that was just some bad apples those were just some rogue agents that's not what we stand for meanwhile your violence your you know destabilizing the region your terrorizing uh communities that you want to keep down that gets done and it doesn't get done with blood on your hands Okay, so by giving so much individual power to their their agents, whether it's police or CIA, they have plausible deniability. They can they can distance themselves from from any anyone who gets caught. Yeah, and again, you know, sometimes it fucks up, and they're they're genuinely like, "What the fuck? What did you do?" You know. But it's it's also just such a code of of silence and secrecy around it too, mm-hmm. and and you know there's been a lot written and talked about when it comes to persecuting and prosecuting or prosecuting, not persecuting. It's prosecuting. I wish we were to the persecuting stage. But right <laughs> we're not now. quite there. We can't even <laughs> fucking get them charged with anything and get it to stick. So, so next up, I have after this chase when he figures out, hey, I'm gonna go to the hotel. Seemingly kind of on a whim, he sees a sign. It's like I'll hide there. Um, my only other note is, uh, I, I love to do this when I watch a movie. This is the thing that, that my husband and I do every time is if someone says the title of the movie, we have to say they said it. <laughs> <laughs> and so he does say, uh, what's his name? The little, little bad guy, not big Richter. bad guy, Richter. He, he says he might get total recall. So yeah, he said it. <laughs> he said <laughs> it's it. It's a fun game to play. Movie games to play. If you're Christine is, it, did they say it? And uh, anytime two male characters get very close, usually in an angry kiss, confrontation, kiss. just whisper, kiss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they, there's a little bit of that in this movie, too. I've been there with you on both of those occasions. So. <laughs> it's an important element of enjoying cinema. <laughs> yeah, I've incorporated this into my own view. <laughs> Thank you. It's important. Movies, too. So he gets there and he finds out. I don't know how this works. This is later okay, explained yeah, because... Yeah. Because Cohagen's like, it was me. but uh, A guy calls. Just a guy. A guy calls his hotel room, seeming, I guess, having seen him on the street. I, but then he explains, you told me to do this in the, you know, in, in case, case this ever this happened. happened. Which I'm like, I guess you just like had this guy track 24-7 and like 
okay, he's doing some weird shit today. Let me go get the suitcase and call him. Oh, yeah, he's got like the little collar with the <laughs> with the fireman tags. Yeah. Uh, listeners, I just bought air tags for my cats because I had a terrifying experience with when my cat was was lost for two days. He's fine now. It was so scary. It was um, the worst. You guys have seen pictures of Remy. Some of you voted for him. You better have. cat. You better uh, fucking have. But he's back now. And he's, he's back. So sweet. He's, he's fine. He's looking fashionable. I'm still <laughs> debating getting him another collar because I personally think this one looks like it's a Fitbit for cats, which is a little too tech bro for me and my house. Business cat. Ugh. So, yeah, he gets this call from this guy and he's like, hey, there's a chip in your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way to foil it is with a wet towel wrapped around, <laughs> expertly, I might add, wrapped he around your He did a really snug head wrap. I was impressed. I would not know what to do. I would sort of clumsily wrap it, and it would fall off while I was running away. Yeah, because mine always like piles up really high and then falls over. So, yeah, I'd be bad at that. So, yeah, it was very good. Uh, I, I wrote that this is some real Defense Department-ass uh, product here that can get foiled by a wet towel. By a wet towel, yeah. This like... is the F-35 of tracking <laughs> devices here. Uh, <laughs> oh, right? Like, I might as well be tin foil or something. Like, okay. In, in the short story, it was cooler. Um, the, he did end up with a device in his head. Uh, or not a device in his head, a creature Ugh, in his head. A life form. Worse. It was this sort of meh thing that was attached to the base of his skull and it was apparently something that they discovered on luna some weird uh, moonworm yeah (laughs) nasty uh and so but they never took it out it was just like a permanent way of him like being able to communicate with uh the people who were after you know all that it it was kind of cool but in this one it's it's weak to towels yeah, that's that's pretty shitty. Also, like, why wet? Like, it's inside his body. His body is wet. <laughs> I don't know. There's, yeah, there is moisture on top of his head. Like, yeah, like, I don't get it at all. I guess uh, it's too much moisture, which, which this thing just wouldn't operate in the rain. Just wait till it rains. It's rain inside day. of him, so it wouldn't operate at all. <laughs> He's gooshy in there. The F 35 parallels just write themselves. What is an F 35? Uh, that's a fighter jet that Was can't it fly in the rain <laughs> because it because of its design flaws. It in <laughs> testing of the thing, it decapitated several of its pilots. Uh, it's it was just a a one of those Defense Department projects where they build it in forty five states so that forty five different senators and representatives worth can get their you know get their bonuses from building like the one screw that goes into the one part. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it was complete, just a complete mess. The wow. Air Force kept being like, "We, why are you doing this? We're happy with what we got. So it was shit. Cool, cool. But now we have that, and we can you know, Great. be happy with that, I Maybe guess. Maybe it's a torture device now. <laughs> so he's he finishes the call. He has his head wrapped. He goes and gets the suitcase uh, from a lady who's just going to take the suitcase. Okay, yeah, and she didn't look like... You know, not that there's one way to look poor, but she just looked like a regular middle class woman. I was surprised that she was just like, well, this is mine. And she said, fuck you. Like, she, this she is my really suitcase. Aggro. This is the boot is wet. The, and, and Verhoeven's trying to say in this 
universe. Everyone's been turned to shit. Like, pretty much everyone outside of the Martian resistance themselves, and even they're pretty coarse. Yeah. Uh, are pretty, like, unlikable people. Yes, I would agree. I think we definitely see that later with Benny. But yeah, this is kind of the first hint of like, yeah, regular people are, are not having a good time here. Like they are they are looking out for number one. Yeah. And they're like angry. And you got to understand, you know, the newscast that they're seeing and the culture that's that's beamed into them at every moment is the same culture that we're in is be afraid of mm-hmm. other people. Look at the crime that's happening. Look at the murders that are happening. Uh, look at all the, you know, everything that's bad. And, and, and your neighbors don't, you don't want to be, you don't mm-hmm. want to see them. You don't want to see other people. And I get that as an introvert. I do. <laughs> but like, we should be able to think better about people than our culture, I think, tries to train us to. Agree. It's like agree. anti-solidarity. Yeah, it's fear mongering. It's, it's atomizing, all that stuff. And I think it's interesting and important that this scene takes place on Earth still and in like what they're referring to as the Northern Bloc, because we we see later Mars is very much like an example of a, an imperialized like colonist area or uh, colony, you know, super subjugated and all that. And like they're they're at a new level of desperate. But it's important to note that like that still happens on Earth, even in like the privileged area. Yeah. And I think. That's a good point, too, is that d- geographical distinction of in that Imperial Corps. And it doesn't really tell you what city it's just he's just there. You know, he's in a, a vaguely amorphous North American city. N- you know, no one there is in this sort of like communal solidarity thing. Everyone's either an agent or, you know, trying to rip people off uh, or cover up their tracks for some brain damage they may have done to somebody. You know, it's, it's yeah. all that consumerist and cutthroat whereas when you get to mars under the you know boot heel of empire that's where you start to see people working together and being in solidarity and this is like lenin said that imperialism is going to be taken down where its chain is weakest you know in in its weakest link is you know where the people are suffering from more oppression you know, and it's, you're able to actually target that. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. You know, and, and predictions are there to be proven <laughs> wrong eventually, but that's kind of the malice take is it's, you know, the Imperial core is probably going to be the, the last place taken down in revolution. Yeah. Well, okay. I think what's interesting and we don't see a ton of, of earth. I mean, we see mostly the subway station, but even with that, most people there seemed middle class and above. Like even that woman who was taking the suitcase, like you'd assume that that is more of a, a poverty driven crime. But I, we only see, I mean, he's a construction worker and like we, we know that this apartment in life was planned for him, but his apartment is pretty nice. And like, he doesn't think that's weird. And Lori does not seem to have a job. So they're able to afford like a nice place in a big city without seeming to struggle that much and like you could say obviously that's been set up but like wouldn't you find that weird like wouldn't he be like oh that's kind of weird that i'm rich you know and like yeah (laughs) even like the commuters on on the subway like everyone like i remember there's a scene of like um like the city like people just walking down the street and like everyone's in like pretty businessy clothes like it's a very corporate Mm -hmm. looking area yeah 
the boons of empire. Yeah, yeah, that that's my point, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> After next chase. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Some more chase stuff. He gets, you know, he's in the Johnny Cab getting away. He has to basically tear it up to <laughs> He kills a Johnny Cab. <laughs> uh, and when he arrives at his destination, I don't know if it breaks down or what. But he ends it up explodes in this abandoned for building. some reason. It doesn't make oh. sense. Oh, it does make sense. <gasps> he gets out and it's like the fare is 18 credits. And he's like, sue me. And the thing lights up and charges after <gasps> him and blows up. And oh. He has to like roll out of the way. Are they saying that all taxis will try to kill someone who doesn't pay their fare? That was my read. I know it was a malfunctioning <laughs> taxi, but yeah, I like I to assumed. think Verhoeven was like, in the future, taxis will kill you. If you- <laughs> I thought maybe like the agency had hacked it or something, or I don't know. No, I'm going with that's taxis in the future. That's hilarious. I, I, it fits with the theme it of, really a, does. of a destroyed world, basically completely beholden to capital <laughs> uh so yeah in the future look forward to self-driving tesla taxis uh that will doing that down. to you if you try to skip a fare <laughs> they're already real good at hitting people yeah i was gonna say or if you're just walking around <laughs> or if you're a passenger it may crash you into someone who, who knows? knows it'll be fun yeah. okay the um future. yay so he gets to this uh abandoned building like a cement factory, I think they say. And he opens this suitcase and he has a bunch of money. He has fake ideas and he has this little wristband thing that allows him to create a body double hologram, basically. Uh, but he figures that out and he gets a message from a guy named Hauser. Who looks exactly like him. Yeah. And he's like, does he actually describe? I think he does describe it here as kind of like, I'm you or... Mm-hmm. I need your help. Something's gone wrong. Uh, he describes himself as basically having worked for Cohagen and switched sides. Because of a woman. Yeah. Which maybe that should be our new tactic. Just start seducing people hotly. Hot communists. <laughs> Hot communists with our fur yeah. coats and our so, parties. You know, Different national situations call for different paths to socialism. <laughs> if you, know, you have a you lot have socialism of socialism with Chinese hot. characteristics, <laughs> yeah, American socialism it just has to be you know hot socialism. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. Bring on the baddies. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he he. This guy describes himself kind of as a class traitor. Mm-hmm. Right? He says, uh, "I figured out I was I was playing for the wrong side or whatever." Which is the experience of becoming a communist in an mm-hmm. imperial core country. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, Hauser tells him, hey, also, there's a there's a bug in your head. The, mm-hmm. the chip thing. You're going to look stupid with that towel for the rest of the time. So get it out. So he has to dig out. Ugh. That was yummy. Nasty, nasty stuff. At least it wasn't like a real bug. Um, That's The first true. time I watched it, I was worried that it was going to be like a like a scorpion type thing or something. But. Because they did that in the Matrix, right? Mm, that's right. That's right. It's been a they long time. They had that time. whole thing that actually went in them. Ooh, very creepy. <laughs> uh, but Hauser's like, yeah, uh, get your ass to Mars. There's a big shootout. They kill a rat. That's that's not really nice. <laughs> it's really um, not. And that rat was very gooshy. Oh, yeah. Every, <laughs> There's just a everyone lot. How has was their like, blood budget for this movie? Right. Well, their blood and their shattered glass budget, I think, <laughs> yeah, were truly. But I, I did, I did like that in that 
So, so like the the goons get in there, you know, with uh, Richter and his tech guy. It's just this crazy looking man. He's cool, man. He's got like kind of a style. I don't know. I he do kind of like his weird style. Yeah, yeah. I want those glasses. Yeah, like, it's amazing. The tinted glasses and like the bleachy, uh, buzz cut look. It was kind of interesting. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but yeah, he was the tech guy, and he had like the tracker for uh, Quaid, and so he'd just be like, "He's over there," and then they just start blasting, like not even looking look. to, yeah. for a body to shoot at. Just like, okay, he pointed there. Light I'm it up. Shoot. It was <laughs> insane. Uh. Another usual thing for normal paramilitary groups to do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so he goes to Mars. Interesting arrival. Yes, yes. Uh, I really, really am just mourning the fact that they did not put Arnold Schwarzenegger in drag. What could we have feasted upon? I know. And they should have done back when they had the chance to show this movie st- in Tennessee. Yes, now it's banned. When minors are present. <laughs> yeah. Does this count as drag, though? N- no, because it's completely, like, he's encased within it, mm, I would okay, say. Okay, okay. I don't think I, this counts. I don't know if it does. So, yeah. He's His wearing, actual face is not there. That's true. He's wearing a robo suit, and it's a giant woman, which, like, you have to think about, like, the scale of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, oh, it's yeah, incredible. Dude. She could haul this this dude that's like checking her at the ID station. She could just <laughs> suplex him. <laughs> and so yeah, he has this robot to to sneak him in there. Basically, it's not a robot, but it's like a an exosuit kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. the The thing it malfunctions, right? And, and I think so. Yeah. It's got to be okay. So I guess that was my main thing because later he so takes off the head and throws it at one of the the goons that are after him and is like, catch, and then it explodes. And I'm like, okay, so either you planned for it to malfunction and you then were like, aha, but I'll make the head explode, which is the craziest plan ever. (laughs) Or you also had a secret button in there like, okay, well, I'll just press this explode button. (laughs) See, I would go with that one. Because, okay, okay. Because I'm like, you. it was working fine before. Yeah. Why do a disguise? Why not just carry a bomb? And then when you get to that <laughs> point where it's like, hey, are you the guy we're looking for? Hold this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, seems like a lot of work. So I think the second one of that was plan B. Of gotcha. Like, just activate the button and hope that the malfunction that is <laughs> ruining the rest of the suit still allows for the functionality of the explode. <laughs> it's you just know, not a option. good plan overall. No, it was funny in the movie, but yeah, not a good plan. That explodes. Richter's men start shooting just indiscriminately and blast a hole in the, you know, in the way too much glass in this room. There's so much glass on Mars. They they shoot a hole in it um, and start a vacuum situation. People die in that. Quaid ends up escaping once it settles down. But I mean, what I wrote here is, you know, the fascists, they, they don't, don't care. care. They don't care. Like people are expendable. When uh, Richter gets up, he's only chasing Quaid and, and he's only pissed about that. He doesn't look around at like, oh, you know, a human being in, like his men get dragged out of the window. Doesn't give a fuck. That's uh, what service to empire will do to a motherfucker is it'll it'll corrupt you. You know, and they say, you know, you can't serve two masters. You know, you can't serve God and mammon. And you 
can't be, you know, a full human uh, when you're in thrall to to the empire. Like it's 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 yeah. gonna eat away at you. I mean that that's what service gets you in that direction, and in the other direction, like if you are one of those goons, like yeah, yeah, you're not getting any special no. awards. There's no reward for that. You 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 go out there and die. You go out there and get maimed. You go out there and get disabled. You go out there and do your time and come back safe. Yeah. Like the government's not going to look after you. Oh no! Did you hear about like the? I this was the one episode that John Stewart showed that I watched, but it was the the tar pits. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. They 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 didn't fucking care until people made them, you know. And and same thing with uh, the people that were breathing in all the. Uh, building debris at 9-11 and everything, the first responders and stuff like that, people said, oh, heroes, heroes, heroes. But when it came time for their health care coverage, where where was nope. anybody? You know? No money for that. John Stewart was in on that, too. He was trying to, he was up there yelling and screaming about that, you know. He's just a lib, but, like, had some good points in that regard. So next he gets on the train, and this is the first time, I think, for the audience that we're that is kind of revealed to us uh, that Cohagen uh, has control of the air supply and literally, uh, literally charge people here for air. That people have to be able, you know, the sectors, I guess, or people. I don't, the, the payment scheme is not laid out, but <laughs> <laughs> people have to pay for air on Mars. Yes, it's privatized air. The Which... ragged trousers philanthropists predicted it. <laughs> they were right. It just happened on Mars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's just... I think that could easily be the core of this movie of... And it is, in a lot of ways. Of, of If they can charge for it, they fucking will. And not only will they do that, they'll do some real fucking nasty shit to make sure they can still charge for it. Oh, yeah. And that's... We learn is the central conflict here is Cohagen doesn't want to lose his grip. You know, and he has the ultimate grip. How more basic can you get on a planet, you know, similar size and everything of Earth, but with that fundamental difference of you need air, you know, provided from you from the central place and only one place has it. It's the ultimate means of production in one place because it's the means of survival. To stretch this parallel further, if you're like, well, yeah, but we have an atmosphere. Air is free. Food isn't free. Housing isn't free. Medicine isn't free. Like they they are doing everything else. They are and grabbing honestly, everything else. Your air has a limited amount of time when it will be free. Not saying they're gonna how how are they gonna do that right? But the climate. Yeah, right? the cleanliness of quality, the air. <laughs> people, you know, when you're saying oh the air is there and free for everyone, actually, really, even right now, it's not. It's not. You're paying for it with your health. Yeah, it's the air conditions very wildly. And, you know, climate is killing people already mm-hmm. in colonized parts of the world. Yeah. It's just not killing people here. So yeah. we're like, oh, that's that's still a future problem, but it's really not. This is also, I think, where we learn about the pyramid mines. He talks to some guy on, on the train mm. and, and he's like, yeah, I used to work in the mines because he asks, like, what's that big fucking mountain over there? And... He he says, like, there's something weird in there. And, like, some people say it's aliens or alien artifacts. And Quaid just d- dismisses it as a rumor. He's like, oh, you believe that stuff? Like, that's definitely not real. And the guy's like, okay. Like, so something's cooking up in those mines. Yeah. I mean, you have um, displaced coal miners mm-hmm. on Mars, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, you know, someone really should have been there to teach him the code, but... <laughs> 
if only, if only. Would have been a better place, but. (laughs) So he gets off the train and immediately we are thrust into a completely different uh, environment, not just because it's literally on Mars and like everything is lit red, by the way, which is really funny. Um, but the desperation here is on another level. Like he's immediately accosted by guys saying like, hey, like, do you want a taxi? Do you want a taxi? Like it is a, a much more impoverished area than Earth. Yeah. And this. Yeah. Like you said, this is the nice place, too. Right? Mm-hmm. Like this is like the Hilton. He's going to the Hilton. Yeah. And he gets people immediate like. You want a ride? You want whiskey? You want what do you, what do you want? You know, mm-hmm. people trying to get in and make money off of him because he's I mean, he's perceived it. He's a tourist. He's he's got money. They need it. He goes to check into the hotel that he was instructed to go to under yeah. a false name. He gets a safety deposit box, which has a flyer for a uh, a sex club. I would say cool. it's a sick flyer. I gotta say well drawn titties. The lady would not fit, though, under the dream lady category. <laughs> she was too curvy. She's, yeah, she's too curvy for that. But yeah, yeah. total look. <laughs> oh, uh, he also um, checked his handwriting on the flyer. Yeah, because on the back it said, go meet, uh, what's her name? Melina. Melina. And I thought that, yeah, the handwriting thing was cool. Do this in dreams. Ooh. If you want to like practice lucid dreaming, do this in dreams. Uh, it's like a step up from one of the basic things is checking writing check any text and look away and check text your your writing will also like fuck up a lot in mm. dreams so. this is a really sad way that i do it is once technology stops working to an absurd degree because uh, like I, I now have dreams with phones in them which is actually very rare most people don't do that uh, so I guess my brain is broken because uh, <laughs> like evolutionarily, we've only had these things for like a blip. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very rare to see technology in your dreams. I have them, um, but it's also a convenient way for me to be like, OK, this is like taking a really long time to make a phone call, something really basic. And so I could be like, OK, something's not right here. <laughs> yeah, that's it. my if I access my phone on in a dream, it. uh, It's like distorted. So the screen Ooh. will like do like kind of move and stuff but mm. it's pretty rare there's another scene in here they kind of dr- intersperse it with the hotel scene they cut to cohagen yes yes and richter and because i'm of two minds like was it all memory or was it a real thing is like there are background scenes that don't involve yeah they don't involve quite at all so it's kind of like would you get that in a dream experience where would that I, fall well i would say in my dreams i have third person view sometimes but if I, if someone implanted that as a memory that's not the same thing as a dream i've never had a third person dream that's kind of cool um i do it a lot i'll just not be there sometimes whoa <laughs> or i'll be someone entirely different so abby does that which i think also is weird but i know i do it always a lot myself first person i have basic dreams yeah i guess so (laughs) but i will my cool dream move is dreams within dreams i do that within dreams sometimes i do i'll do like a three layer sometimes Mm -hmm. but um i actually can wake myself up from dreams uh Mm -hmm. if it's a really bad one i'll go like (gasps) like i just like (laughs) lunge forward and like i I usually after a few times i can get get out yeah same (laughs) (laughs) uh all right but they have the scene with um, Cohagen. Richter comes in, 
and kind of gets chewed out. Yep. Because uh, Coogan says, look, and he just he just says it. You know why I'm such a happy person? Oh, my God. As long as the turbinium keeps flowing, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> oh, and he, he also just says it in, in, in his relationship to Richter of like, you're not paid to think. You just obey orders and like how how many of us are like that (laughs) yeah and richter's completely an unsympathetic character i think oh he sucks uh but even in that i mean i think that's kind of it, it does speak to an element of truth of of that you know people like the cops people you know like the military in occupation situations or what have you they're on the wrong side, you know, and they're, and they're doing, they're doing bad things, but they do sort of share our relation to capital in the sense of being exploited by them. They've chosen to do it and they're actively upholding it and they have unique, you know, a unique relationship in that regard. But you can see here in this scene, kind of like that bare exploitation of like, you're a, you're a dog, like you are beneath me. And you're just, I sick you on people and that's it. Yes, yes. Like, that's not to say, like, oh, every cop is secretly a good and exploited worker. But it's it's that, imagine a world where we didn't need to have dogs to carry out our dirty work. (laughs) Yeah. Also, poor dogs getting a bad rap here. I know. Yeah, that's unfair to the dogs. Like, pigs for (laughs) cops. I know. Pigs are really (laughs) smart. Cops can't be pigs. Pigs are good. I don't know. I I think it's, (laughs) it's very in your face. The turbidium, I can do whatever I want. But I think a lot of people do need it to be spelled out so blatantly, you know, have this cartoonishly evil CEO type figure to be like, damn, capitalism is kind of bad sometimes, you know? Yeah, I, I, I'm of two minds of that. Like, on one hand, like, yeah, if you get the message, great. On the other hand, it could be too cartoonish of like, well, nobody's that evil. You know, like, it would be better if this guy was like, CEO of a, a, you know, instead of like a one kingpin kind of guy, it was like, oh, he's part of a, a conglomerate or something. And like, you know, they show him also like doing charity work or, or, mm. you know, yeah. having lots of different kinds of businesses and having influence on local government or something. Like, I think that'd be more interesting. Yeah, it would bog down the story. I think. It would. But, yeah, yeah, that's I, I think not that's what we're a more here accurate. For. <laughs> <laughs> that's a more accurate representation. Uh, the other, you know, kind of pitfall of that is even no matter how you, you know, slice him, even if he's complex like that, there's a limitation of the liberal interpretation, which is just mm-hmm. well, this is a bad, that's a know, bad guy. This guy's bad. Like we should have a good person there, and they would do good. You know, they would choose the right things and like decide oh i'm going to pay my workers more and i'm going to make bars nice is yeah and i think that's the thing with making him so cartoonish and even the fact that later like he personally goes and gets a gun like no ceo would ever fucking do that (laughs) (laughs) i mean i encourage them to sure get uh, froggy fucking step up yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know in minecraft get a gun in minecraft and go do some fun (laughs) shit but uh it's next. It's off to Venusville. Uh, we've heard yes. a lot about it. It sounds kind of cool. Uh, this is where he meets up with Benny, the taxi driver, with five kids to feed. With five kids to feed. Yes. <laughs> they there's like an attack or something while they're leaving. And he's like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, it's the rebels. They're kind of cool, you know." They're he's uh, like very chill about it. 
yeah, this, he's, they're just loading up the cab while this explosions and gunfire and everything's going off. <laughs> he's like, welcome to Mars. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, but I mean, they want like more air, more freedom. <laughs> Sounds neat. <laughs> I like them. They also, on their, once they park and get out, they meet the, so they encounter some of the, some of the mutants. Yeah, they're these like disfigured people, I guess. Uh, you know, very obviously movie affected. It's not like they used real people. And yeah, like one of them asks to like read his aura or whatever. And the little girl's like, I can guess your birthday. So like, apparently these people have been exposed to some sort of rays or radiation and become uh, one mutated and two psychic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. uh, Benny kind of says that, they ended up with cheap domes. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a good air supply or something like this that changed them in some way. So later we'll see that you know, this was Cohagen's decision yes. early on that he just let it happen. That's fucking classic, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you think the government told them on day one, hey, it's unsafe. You could get all sorts of negative health effects from being here. You should get out. No. no. They said everything is safe. Everything is fine. Stay where you're at. There's no fucking danger here. Just like they did with the with the Ohio thing, with the derailment or whatever. They said, oh, we're evacuating for a little bit. But then it was like, oh, it's fine. Even though people are pouring out sludgy water from there. Ugh. Now, they'll never tell you. I mean, they, no. they're, they're, what is their goal? I mean, the government's the arm of capital. Yeah. They are always going to look after the bottom line first. There's no safety regulations unless people make a big stink about it. And yeah, like later we, we see like catacombs of the first settlers who worked themselves to death and Cohagen got all the money, which is, yeah, again, classic. That's what you do <laughs> if yep. you're a bad guy, if you're a capitalist. Yep. And they, you know, they worked hard because they were being loyal to their company and that's where I got it. Mm-hmm. So that's where we get the mutants here. The psychic powers thing is very weird, but sure, plot. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get to... Uh, the club. The club in Venusville called The Last Resort, and it is plenty sleazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we do get to see a lady with three tits. That's incredible. Woo! <laughs> wow, a 50% increase. <laughs> it made Benny later on say, I wish I had three hands. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> this movie has some good one-liners. It does. It really does. So he goes and he, he finds Melina. He has to like bribe his way to talk to her. And they go talk in a not very private room. All the rooms have like holes in them, which is like terrifying. He barely gets up there. He's accosted by Tony beforehand. He's mm, like, you got yeah. a lot of nerve showing your face here. And he just makes a mutant joke at him. Yeah, He's like, you do too. Sweet. That was so rude. But this guy, this is. um. Uh, oh, is that uh, Hank? It's Hank Schrader. Oh. <gasps> I had no idea, because half his face was all crazy. Okay. Yeah, Dean Norris. Wow. That was Hank Schrader. Okay. I had to look up, because I knew he was in this movie. Yeah. I had to look up, like, who the fuck he was. Damn, Tony. I liked Tony. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, okay, interesting. But so he makes it up to the room with uh, Melina, and they kind of have it out. So she's, first of all, the woman from his dreams. Mm-hmm. The woman from the recall program that they said, oh, we're going to make you a 
uh, sleazy yet demure woman. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she's also from from the dream he had at the very beginning. So I guess that's a point in the column of maybe they just, this is not real. But then maybe the recall, they were, I mean, because so presuming it's a recall hallucination, uh, they drew from people in his life, right? His wife, uh, his coworker, like people he already knew. So what, who was to say they couldn't take elements mm. from his dreams? Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. But then, I mean, is that also a category they can pull from? Who knows? Yeah, I guess my question would be, if it's real, then how would they, the the screen they show him of women happen to have one that looks almost exactly like her? Yeah, that's true. That would be a point. Of, I mean, that works out to a point against it being real. Mm-hmm, that's what I'm saying. Oh, uh, here's why. Because... His dreams of her were based on his previous memories of having encountered her as Hauser. His dreams? Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? Because they erased his Hauser memories, but he had a subconscious part of him that was still trying to... And so he remembered... Because they had a previous relationship, as they kind of discuss in their yeah, fight Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, how would the, the scientists the at Recall People know that? Like when they're, they're going through the lady selector. <laughs> because to them, it's a dream. So remember, he has memory wipe. So they're not looking at the memory banks. They're looking at dream banks, I guess. And they're saying, oh, yeah, we'll put the dream lady in there. She fits. The, oh, you know. OK. OK. Because I thought that was just like a randomly generated face or like they have stock models that they use for dreams. I think in some circumstances, maybe. But I mean, if you got a guy rolls in dreams about you a know, hot lady. Yeah. Hooking up with this lady repeatedly, then it's like. Hey, man, we should probably pick this lady. You want this one? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Interesting. So it could go either way. Okay. Yeah. It's that one. It's still ambiguous. It is. (laughs) So they get into a big fight. You know, they literally, she draws a gun on him at the end (laughs) (laughs) because she says, Hey, you're still working for Cohagen. You use me to get inside the rebels. You know, you never really love me. Blah, blah, blah. So he's fine. I don't want to get shot today. Goes back to the hotel. And the on on TV, the director Cohagen has declared martial law. Uh huh. Very casually. It's fine. We need to, you know, we got to do what we got to do. Don't worry about it. Again, your constitutional freedom. It can just be put aside. Yeah, which they probably don't have those anymore in this world. I mean, probably not seems on Mars. Pretty totalitarian, and definitely, yeah, definitely not on Mars. Because I, I noticed they had. Like, when he came in, it was, like, immigration. So, like, it's a new, like, it's not under Earth law or whatever. Mm. Yeah, because, so. I mean, he's the administrator, so. Yeah. Then he gets a knock on the door, and it's this very nerdy guy from Recall, uh, from the company. This was a dope scene to me. This was like, whoa. I liked it. You know, very cerebral. Uh, it c- comes complete with a Matrix red pill. It really, yeah, I was like, really? We're doing that? <laughs> okay. Which also predates the Matrix. Like, this yeah. is Jurassic Park and Matrix beat. Interesting. So, yeah, this doctor comes in and he's like, hey, you're actually still in the dream. You're still you're still dreaming right now. He's like, which one is more likely that you're actually this, like, super secret savior or, like, what you actually picked a secret agent program, if you remember. So, like, come on, think about it. And mm-hmm. his proof is... Lori, which who he brings there, which I'm like, well, Lori could have fucking traveled. So not a great proof, but okay. Yeah. 
Um, also, I think Lori is doing a really bad acting job of acting like a concerned wife. Like, she's being all creepy and smiley. Like, if that was actually your wife who cared about you, like, she'd be like, oh, my gosh, are you okay? Like, you're going to be fine. Let's go home. But she's all like, come with me. Everything's, you know, like, she's creepy. She's, like, scared and kind of standoffish. Yeah. Well, I don't even get scared from her. I got, like, like creepy and, like, like uh, trying to... I mean, trying to trick you, honestly, is what I got mm-hmm. of like, oh, it's everything's going to be fun. But like not in an actual comforting way. Like she didn't seem concerned, I guess. Yeah, that's true. That's what I was missing. She didn't have anything on her face that was like, are you OK? Like she was scared maybe of like, what am I looking at? But mm-hmm. yeah, so I thought she was a very bad actress in that. And I don't know if that was intentional of like. Lori actually doesn't give a shit about him. That's what I read into it. I would see it as that slash an audience seeing her as we've been, as we've only got the Quaid perspective. This is fucked. The whole thing is very fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to have your whole marriage just not be real. Well, if it's, if it is a hallucination, it's a very fucked up one about one's wife. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You'd think you'd want that to be contained enough so that it wouldn't, like, fuck you up. Yeah, and, and if it is, like he said, kind of free-roaming off of your own mental state or whatever... What does that say about how you feel? to go to marriage counseling yeah. after this. <laughs> yeah, is right, that, like... Because <laughs> if, if the audience is supposed to see her through Quaid's eyes as, like, she doesn't really... She's not really concerned for me or whatever, then what the fuck, man? Like, Yeah, or if you have a hallucination that your wife is trying to kill you, like... I think you have some issues to work out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, I don't know. For me, that's a point in the not a hallucination category. I didn't believe yeah. this for a second. As soon as this guy showed up, I'm like, no, he's a fucking trap. <laughs> so one line from here that I loved, he says, what's bullshit, Mr. Quaid, that you're having a paranoid episode triggered by acute neurochemical trauma or that you're really an invincible secret agent from Mars who's a victim of an interplanetary conspiracy to make him think he's a lowly construction worker. Stop punishing yourself, Doug. You're a fine, upstanding man. You have a beautiful wife who loves you. Your whole life is ahead of you. But you've got to want to return to reality. That is the question, isn't it? That is the the choice we all have to make, is do we want to hide under this comfy blanket of nice things or not? Exactly. Enjoy life. Be carefree. Let us rip you off a little bit, but I mean, we'll bribe (laughs) you with some of the rewards of empire as long as we have to before we decide we can take all those away and just kind of use brute force i mean yeah that's that's what that's our version of it right is yeah is go along don't criticize the government live don't a good life it. and it's even easy. the the you know it's a conspiracy like that word is used so often to say like oh you're you're overreacting exactly exactly smoke filled back rooms twirling mustaches <laughs> And we are always very careful to point out, like, that's not what we're fucking talking about. It's it's an inherent system that encourages evil. In the same sense, you know, it is true from the perspective of the movie that says this is a real thing that happens to Quaid. It's true that he is this victim of an interplanetary conspiracy to make him think he's just a lowly construction worker. I think that in that same vein... That is true for us. There, There is a cons- an international conspiracy of capital 
to make us think that we are lowly workers when really we are free human beings, you know, who have the same right to use and to care for the bounty of the earth as everyone else, you know, and capitalism holds us back the same way that the agency is holding Quaid back is it, it, it says, no, Hey, actually you're just this, actually you're just this chump. And actually you can only do what we allow you to do within these channels. And don't, you know, don't say anything different than this, or this gets the equivalent of armed guards, sometimes really armed goons to, to, to go after you, you know, unlike Quaid, I think there's no chance for us that this is a delusion. This is just the reality that we're in. So Quaid's faced with a choice. They're like, take the, take the fucking pill, take the red pill. You don't want to have a mental breakdown here. And he notices that the nerd is kind of sweaty. So he shoots him. (laughs) Good enough. Sounds like Uh, proof. He's like, this, this guy's not confident enough, I guess. Shoots him, (laughs) spits out the pill. Another fight. And then, yeah, goons rush in. His wife's like, you shouldn't have done that. Uh, they haul, they knock him out. They, you know, completely fucking own him. Uh, they haul him off. They have to wait for the Mass Effect elevator <laughs> uh, to take him down. And the in that time, fucking elevator. <laughs> yeah, in that time, Melina shows up out of the elevator and just luckily Blasts the guy's kind of low. You know, they, they're holding Quaid a little bit lower. Luckily, because she just <laughs> she's using some agency tactics <laughs> <laughs> for real. She just unloads oh. on him and. My note here is there's too much fighting in this movie. It is boring to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was kind of old school fighting. I kind of liked it. Uh, I did not care. It seemed just more physical than I mean. I, I feel like everything is just so blurry mm-hmm. in like modern fight scenes and stuff. Just oh, yeah. don't get as much of the, you know, contact. I, I had some production notes that I just thought were funny. Schwarzenegger cut his wrist at some point during the filming smashing a train window that was supposed to pre-detonate or something oh no uh he also incurred other minor cuts and broken fingers jesus yeah so like people you know people were really fucking doing um doing scenes this this is one thing about michael ironside richter's character uh or actor rather <laughs> uh he it cracked his sternum and separated two ribs after running into another actor who was holding an Uzi in one of the chase scenes, right? Uh, Filming had to be paused while he recovered. Uh, After three weeks, a producer wanted him to return to filming, but the insurance was like, no, unless he can perform (laughs) 50 (gasps) push-ups. Wow. The doctors told him you can't perform 50 push-ups. He still attempted attempted to do that. He re-injured himself. Oh, my God. After 30 push-ups, the doctor said it was sufficient. And so he went back in. (laughs) Uh, They had... uh, He was struggling with lifting his arm after this injury. They had uh, the quarterback from the Oakland Raiders, Jim Plunkett, uh, come by to give him a brace uh, that had been built for him for his his own injury or whatever. They gave him a brace to, like, be able to kind of hold it in a stable position. Oh, my God. Fi- it's just like, this shit doesn't, I don't think, happen anymore. No, I, I don't think, think so. Unless it's so like, hardcore. Maybe it's like now it's all stunt people who get the injuries and we don't know who they are. Oh, yeah. But so. these guys were like, I don't know. That's like, why to me actors, it's like kind of yeah. more legit, the fighting scenes. Are oh, like yeah, like, yeah. There's more contact. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's nuts. They have the shootout and then they have the fight between 
Lori and Melina. Lori ends up basically winning. She's about to murder Melina and Quaid shoots the blade out of her hand and she's like, come on. You I'm your kill wife, me. which is crazy. Like, really now? <laughs> like, he, after all the fighting you've done to him, you're still going to play the wife card? Yeah. So he shoots her in the head and then says, yeah. consider that a divorce. <laughs> which is excellent. Another one line. Yes, that's, just that's good. <laughs> that's good. I laughed at that. Uh, but of course, if if you do wake up from this, Marriage counseling. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe take a look at yourself. They have some more chase to try to get back to Venusville, to the club. The people in the club smuggle them in this underground railroad sort of compartment. And then Richter comes in and his guys. Oh and my God. Like, you seen him? No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> just lights Blast. this lady up. Oh Three tent lady, just boom. R.I.P. Three Tail Lady. Yeah, and then all hell breaks loose. Uh, Hank Schrader's guy uh, kicks the gun, out, and they just have a big fight. And I love this because I love it. Richter's like kill them all, and they just kind of have a police riot. Uh, but the people, just the regular working class yes. people here, just they—they're not fucking having any of it. They're not cowering no, they're or pulling- anything. They're pulling guns out from underneath tables, knives, all that shit. And, like, I think it's extremely powerful and maybe purposeful that this is, like, sex workers doing this. Like, Mm -hmm. saying, like, these are commonly exploited workers and and they're they're fighting back. Like, they're probably used to police harassment anyway. But I don't know. I thought it was really cool that they played such a revolutionary role in this movie. They knew when, when the order comes kill them all, they're not joking. They just watched someone got gunned down. They know the cops aren't on their side in general, but they kind of have a little bit of restraint maybe compared to this. And when that's, when that's gone, I mean, there's no pretense. The guy gets a shotgun out. You know, people get gutted with a knife. The, the, uh, dwarf woman is like oozing people from the She's countertop. sick. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just unleash and Richter's guys have to fucking cut and run like they 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 get beat. And honestly, if you've seen videos of the, the protests they had in France and everything, like oh, that yeah. can be done. You know, they'll roll up and they'll 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 swagger into, you know, a street and whatever where the cops were ready, where we've got the shields and we're, we're all, you know, the big bad guys. But when the people come out in numbers and are unafraid and do counteract them that's powerful shit you know when they realize and they have yeah. to back down yeah yeah and like the fact that you know very clearly they knew about this smuggling chamber that leads to the resistance movement and like they were collaborating with them it wasn't just that they fought back at the police they were like openly not openly they were secretly working with with revolutionaries like that's so cool like they they they, I think, are uniquely exploited in this scenario because, like, a lot of the the workers and the, the patrons, too, are mutants or descendants of mutants. So, like, they understand, like, hey, this guy fucked us over with those cheap domes. Like, they're able to make that connection of, like, this this is bad. Yeah, and later that plays into Benny as well because people are like, like, but you're a mutant. Like, you know, like, all mutants are basically assumed to be anti-government in this. Yeah, and it makes yeah. sense, you know? Fuck, I'm a mutant. <laughs> okay. They 
make their way to the resistance headquarters. As Cohagen makes the decision to cut off all air to Sector G. They meet the rebels. They find out that Benny is a mutant. He kind of pulls a pulls his false hand off and he's got <laughs> this weird claw going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get to meet Kuato. Yes, so we've heard about him a couple times. He is this leader of the resistance movement, and people claim that he he is psychic. And we find out that this like kind of head resistance guy who appears to be human uh, opens up a shirt, and there is a mutant slimy baby situation going on in there. It's very gross, and I didn't like it. Oh yeah, Abby didn't <laughs> like it either. He's it's like this belly gross. baby thing, but not like it's, in it, but like on the outside of it, just kind of. He looks kind of like a nasty. Chucky doll. He looks a lot like Chucky, which I did not like. Oh, when did Chucky came out? Is this our <gasps> third predate? Oh my god, this is like Chucky Child's Play. No, Chucky was before. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Chucky was. Child's Play was released in 1988. Uh, okay. so maybe it Just was inspired by Chucky. Pretty recent, though. We almost had a trifecta. <laughs> so, yeah, he talks to this slimy baby. You know, he wants to know what's going on and everything. And, and the baby says, you're more than your past. You are your actions. Something to that yeah. effect, right? Yeah. You're not your memories. Yes. Man is determined by his actions. You are what you do. I like that. We're going to talk about that later. Um, But he does need his memories. So (laughs) they do go inside his head. And we see this uh, big chamber inside the pyramids. Uh, There is this big structure in there. And they're talking about like, this, this is alien technology. We don't know what it is. Fucking Richter, of course, wants to blow it up because he's Richter. That's just what he thinks about all the time is destroying <laughs> things. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're they're saying like, okay, well, we got to figure out what we're going to do with this, basically. They're like talking about maybe it'll do a meltdown. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's just left ambiguous. They are interrupted. The baddies have found them. Yeah. And they also see like Coato's weird hands as mm. the imprint of the trigger. And That's so, from my perspective, point. I'm like, damn, only Kawato can unlock this, I think. Oh, okay. So, I didn't notice that till later, so I didn't think that as a theory, because uh, Kawato beefs it here in a second. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's a good point. I, I did notice later, yeah, I was like, oh, like, I noticed it afterwards. Like, yeah, that does look a lot like his hands did. Yeah, I don't know if that's and what even going for. Benny's but... hand, it kind of looks like it. So, maybe oh, it's like a mute. yeah. Maybe. Maybe the mutating thing is like you're picking up alien DNA or something. Mm, you're, yeah, becoming more like them. Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe they're three-titted, weird-fingered guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, Mars sounds cool. Mars sounds great, guys. <laughs> Bring back anyway, the Martians. So the bad guys find them. And in my little head, I'm like, how the fuck did they find them? They had been trying to find these rebels the whole time, like... How convenient that they just now find him at the exact right time, and we find out why. The reason is that Benny is a little bitch. Benny is a fucking narc. Yep. It turns out he uh, was in on it. He was a mercenary, and he betrayed them. Here's what I don't like. I, I have mixed feelings about this. On the one, so immediately they're like, "You're a mutant. How could you do this?" Like, it, I I understand what they're saying of like, yeah, generally mutants are on the side of the revolutionaries, blah blah blah. 
What I don't like is he says, oh, I've got four kids to feed. And Schwarzenegger's like, I thought it was five. And he's like, eh, like clearly he was lying. I think it'd be way more interesting if it, if he, that was the answer of like, hey, I have kids to feed. I see. So they kind of gave the out for him just being greedy versus being a little bit more survivalist of like, yeah, if I had five fucking kids to feed, like, duh, I would be doing this, you know? Yeah. To me, that's a better reasoning of like, yeah, he's a mutant, but he's also trying to fucking feed his family. So he's taking whatever he can fucking get. Yeah. They may, they're, you know, trying to make it less sympathetic, I think, because he's, it's a little bit sympathetic to be like, well, five kids, I don't know. But to me, that would have been a great example of how people are put in these de- desperate situations where they do support the police state or whatever, because, especially in imperialized countries like that, because they have to support themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so just like the uh, the nerd from Recall had predicted the walls come crashing in (laughs) uh and you know one second he's the hero revolutionary and then things get bad because uh when benny betrays them kuato ends up being killed uh and they and in his dying moments he tells quaid start the reactor uh and they'd haul him off to cohagen's uh evil lair (laughs) yes and this is where we find out that Hauser was not a double agent working for the resistance, but a triple agent duh, leading duh, duh. Cohagen to the resistance. Cohagen, yeah, basically tells him we have been behind all of it. All the weird shit of like, oh, you just had this random guy with the suitcase and like we've been helping you basically along the way. Uh, even though people have been fucking it up and he looks over at Richter basically <laughs> like, like, explicitly fuck? trying to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's the one who set everything in motion. Uh, him and Hauser, uh, who they show on video. Yeah, he shows him a tape of Hauser just like before, but this is evil Hauser not playing a role rather. He's saying, yeah, you know, I had my memory wiped or whatever. Now I want to become you again and you're inconvenient we're gonna get rid of you and i'm gonna join you know i'm, I'm gonna become you now and they zoom out and they show Cohagen is with him in the film so like proving like yep he is a triple agent now you've become bosom buddies ho, ho, ho. so this is where i want to talk about what the the little guy uh mm, mm-hmm. quato said about you are your actions because the, the central question of the movie, I think, was, you know, who am I? What are my memories? And when he gets that answer, he then chooses to reject that. So, yeah, in the in the sense of it being a real thing, all evidence points to I was this guy, right? I was yeah, like he knows for a fact now, like that was me. And instead of, of accepting that and being like, oh, I'm so relieved I have my memory back. I'm going to get my life back, whatever. Like I know the answer and I trust in my past self to have made the right decisions. That's the memories path. Yeah. Like he, he says, no, actually I have more information now and I'm going with the rebels. And this is the actions path. It's an important point of departure of, I mean, it's exaggerated here because he's done really awful shit, presumably as being Hauser. Yeah. He had to be like top, top guy, like secondhand man, maybe just absolutely rolling in the blood. But we, 
have a watered down version of this, but people who are in, you know, Western countries in the Imperial core, we, we were, our entire country is built on a, a on a graveyard a of indigenous sea of people. blood. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, and a, a sea of blood and, and, and torture and a long, you know, history of holding people in bondage of racism, of all this stuff that is our memory, but does not have to be how we act in the future. And indeed we can purposefully free ourselves from that and like be anti that we can just choose to do that. Once we've had that lifting of the veil moment, you know, once we've had this experience of, Hey, this is actually what people go through. This is actually the evil mechanisms behind that. And this is what we have to do to fight it. You know, I mean, before that, we're just people walking around in the Capitol, stealing people's suitcases and cussing them out when they don't let us because <laughs> we're mystified by our world. Like this whole experience is this demystification. This is why I'll, I'll go ahead and bring it up now. This is why the violence of this movie, I think, is kind of important because ah. Quaid leads basically in his cover life a non-violent life. He's this big muscle bound dude. He could rip the arms <laughs> off a, a Wookiee, right? But um, he's he's just jackhammering and he, he, you know, he's completely wouldn't hurt a fly. And even like that very first fight he does, he looks down at his hands as if to say like, how did I know to do that? Yeah, he's shocked. And he, I, I think that part of this experience, you know, of either going into recall and, and having the dream sequence or things not working out or whatever, it's peeling back the veil of the nicety of like people keep convincing him, Hey, you can, you, you have a good life. Actually, there's real violence being visited upon people all the time. And he's just getting to experience it. He's just seeing it for himself and realizing shit, this is reality actually. And now I've got to make a choice based on that rather than being based on just my comfortable little bubble, you know, that Hauser used to be in of, you know, nice life and all that. I think it's a really interesting portrayal of character growth in such a weird way that we don't see very often of, you know, like he, he immediately trusts himself when he sees him on a screen. Like, of course you would trust your past self to have done the right thing of like, okay, cool. I'm with the resistance. Got it. And if you think about the point where it changed, where he's no longer just believing in his past self, but is like actively choosing a new path forward for himself, you know, for the, his news, like he even starts calling himself Quaid instead of Hauser. Like, like he reclaims that name and is like, no, this is who I am now. I think it's really interesting. He's confronted with, I mean, and this is a moment like we, like I, like I mentioned before with the whole thing about being a leftist in the bad countries <laughs> <laughs> is realizing that you're the baddies, right? It's like your yes. side. And that's what he's doing yes. here. And of, like, right? that's why it's so important. Like, and that's why people are so uncomfortable when we talk about our, our nasty fucking past that you just enumerated is because like that leads people then to ask questions and say like, okay, and you know, instead of just brushing it over and say, well, we don't do that anymore. It leads people to say, oh, we still do that. And like looking deeper into what the fuck is happening. So like it, it's a really good like hero's journey example of like he has to confront that in order to to like become like literally self-actualized. 
Yeah. Totally good point here. Excellent connecting of all this. Yeah. So, I mean, this was my favorite part of the movie. Like, I, I, this theme, I think, works. Even, like, I think the, the charging for air thing, like, I think obviously that's a more direct point, I think. And I, I like it too. And I, I can totally see the connections there. Like, I think it's a pretty good, again, metaphor for, you know, you are owning the means of life. (laughs) But this, this choice, I think, for me, was the most interesting thing. Yeah. He's, he's choosing the revolutionary path, which, People say, sort of in the old Mongol sense of the warrior must consider himself already dead. The revolutionary, right, must already kind of sacrifice himself and say that old, that, that old guy life ain't me is anymore. done. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm not going back. So he has this realization. He has this revelation or whatever, and then they they go to strap him down. They're like, let's let's okay. rewrite this shit. We gotta get some stronger restraints for this guy. Have you seen those arms? This is Come all on. a freaking Schwarzenegger, like you. Yeah, like maybe double strap, maybe knock him out first, like something. Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. I was surprised they were going to like reset the girl too, um, uh, Melina, because I'm like, you could just kill her, but they were gonna like gift her to him creepily. Yeah, uh, and they, I like that at this time they promise him they're like, hey man, it's the same thing as the nerd from Recall. Hey, don't worry about it. You're going to be Hauser. He, you know, had a nice house, great car, better life, all this sort of stuff, you know? Uh, and you're going to have a, a, a hot, uh, <laughs> a hot docile and wanton girl, you know, oh, just yes. like you like them. So, I mean, this this is kind of what I, I, I feel like the, the dream existence for conservative shitheads is like <laughs> just having nice shit and... A and hot a, lady. A servant. Uh, yeah, a hot lady servant. But just side with the bad guys and enjoy it. You know? Yeah, I, I did think that line was important, too, the, particularly about women of saying, like, that that's how women should be. Like, we're going to reprogram you. And, like, fascism leads to that, guys. That's step for wives <laughs> kind of shit. <laughs> already seeing that with how much we're policing gender presentations. So enjoy more of that. Yeah. He rips the meager arm restraints out and they have a big fight. <laughs> big fight. Uh, to escape. They get stuck. He realizes, okay, we got, you know, he's going for the the reactor and they, they reach a dead end. And I get really excited for a second because a drill shows up and it's Benny. And I'm like, maybe he was a double agent. But no, he's trying to kill them with a drill, which I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was he, a bummer. he comes after him trying to kill him. He breaks his machine, and another good one-liner here, uh, kills Benny with a drill and says, screw you. Yeah, is, that that I one it. I liked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bring back these. Like, we need more of that. They're making their way to the reactor after dispatching with Benny. At some point, um, Cohagen gives the order to kill Quaid. It's like, I don't know why he didn't just do that already, but okay. Yeah, I think he was trying to get his friend Hauser back um, yeah, to the yeah. extent that he can have friends. I don't know. But yeah, they're going to the reactor. At some point, he reveals like, oh, it makes air, uh, which I guess he saw in that vision, a little side story that we didn't see. Uh, yeah, that was kind of confused. Like, <laughs> how did you get to that conclusion just now? Like, I don't, I don't know. Okay, sure. Well, like we mentioned, I mean, that's the ultimate uh, means of production there, right? This is... First of all, you're melting down all the turbinium. That's not a thing anymore. No more 
threat of suffocation. So Cohagen can't be your capitalist overlord. Uh, the Northern block is going to be weakened compared to the Southern block. Now, maybe they can liberate themselves. Lots of stuff. Okay. So another fight, <laughs> another fight. Yeah. A bunch of goons from the agency. They have the elevator fight with Richter. Mm, where his arms get squished off. Ugh, yeah. Ugh. They get to use their cool body double wristwatch. So I was like, oh, yeah, about fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and then he makes it down to the actual, the reactor core. Yes. And big bad Cohagen shows up. Very weird line here where he's like, I could, I'm going to take care of this and be home in time for cornflakes, which yeah. I'm just like, what the what? fuck? Who says that? Uh, just, that was a bizarre one. It was really weird. It was very much, it just felt like a non sequitur. Uh, I like his scare tactic here. That he says, hey, you can't, don't activate the reactor. Uh, it'll destroy everything. Yeah, because you could take that to mean it'll literally destroy everything. Or it'll destroy everything that he cares about, like his empire. Yeah, but I mean, he's very much leaning on, no, 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 I mean... Everything like it's just going to melt down <laughs> yeah, yeah. the planet, and everything will be disaster. It reminds me of the old uh, Cold War propaganda poster. Have you ever seen the like "Is this tomorrow?" poster with like the flames and the 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 communist soldiers just killing people in the streets or something? <laughs> it's it's like normal America under communism. You know, mm -hmm. uh, he's just like this uh, disaster is about to happen if we do this. <laughs> But if Hauser has, like, it seems all of his memories back, like, he would know that's not true. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, I guess he's betting that maybe he doesn't have all of it back. I think it was uncertain, though. When, when the, in the memory we saw, there were scientists saying, yeah, this could be a meltdown. But it, no one says no. Anyway, they have another fight. <laughs> <laughs> then just like when it looks like hope, all hope is lost, Melina shows up. And shoots Cohagen. And then Cohagen's like, oh, I'm about to die. I'm going to set off this bomb. It's going to destroy the trigger anyway. Quaid throws it away, but throws <laughs> it directly at a window, I guess. It looks like it, yeah. Because, yeah, then the, the air is getting sucked out of the room and the people. Uh, so they're holding on and he has to climb, use those beefy arms to climb up that there's like a pipe or something. Or like yeah. a, uh, not a pipe. What's the a word? little tube. Tube. I was, like, I was like, what's the word for flexible pipe? <laughs> Ugh, okay. And to climb up to the button. Um, he hits the button. Hits the button. Yeah, he climbs up. Koheg uh, is like, no, don't. You're going to kill everybody. But then he just like pulls his hand off of the thing he's holding on to. And is like, bye, bitch. Koheg gets sucked out. Hey, he starts dying of asphyxiation. Our guy hits the button. I was curious if it was going to work, because I'm like, that does look like an alien hand. Like, maybe only aliens can use it. <laughs> yeah. So, but it worked. It, well, at least it goes green. And shortly after, he and Melina are pulled out of there, too, and they start choking. Yeah, then we're at the crisis point. It looks like they're about to die. They're really going through it. But then the reactor is kind of firing up slowly. It finally gets enough steam and, and gets going, and boom. The volcano starts blowing its top, just unleashes all this, uh, all these gases, and it starts rolling down, rolling down the mountain. Uh, justice rolls down like water, and righteousness like a mighty stream. <laughs> We're cleansing 
the planet of Mars. Beautiful. Yeah, it busts through all of the glass, which looks scary at first, but people realize, oh, that's air. <laughs> Sector G is saved. And not just Sector G, you know, Sector G is saved from its crisis, but where does the Everyone. strike everywhere? Like everyone's windows are blown in. You know, the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Hilton to Venusville. Everybody's on the same page here. Air mm-hmm. for all. And yeah, it's this it's this big scene of, of disaster in a way. The old world being torn away. But a liberation in another sense. Yeah, I did. I did like that visual of it looks scary when it comes rolling in and people are terrified because they think, well... The domes that protect me are being shattered. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's bringing something very positive. Metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sky is blue. We've got an atmosphere. I don't know how you did it. All you did was put oxygen in there. I think you need more things than oxygen for an atmosphere. I'm not a scientist. Anyway. <laughs> Neither were they. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly. Uh, miraculously, uh, fucking Quaid and Molina stop exploding their eyes return to normal everything is fine everything's fine for some reason uh i assume cohagen though died it looked like he died he died okay great just timing wise it worked out um (laughs) (laughs) and then they have a little romantic moment but there is some ambiguity yeah uh he says oh i just had a horrible thought what if this is all a dream (laughs) yeah and she doesn't say no (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she's like, kiss me before you wake up. And then they do. And then the sun comes from behind the clouds, like a doctor shining a light in your eye. Mm, is that it, what you saw it as? And uh, well, it's a, that's the potential. I like both. Mm. So my potential is the doctor shining a light in it. But the sun comes out. It, gl- it glares the mm-hmm. camera all the way out. And that's the final scene. That's the end. And so it okay. leaves you with it. Like, what what happened? I didn't think it was a dream. I think it works well either way. Okay. I think it's better if it's not a dream. The ambiguity is cool. Like, Mm -hmm, I like that mm -hmm. it's there. If it's not a dream, I don't know. That's also good. (laughs) Okay. Do we have anything else on on Dream or No Dream? (laughs) The new hit show? The the Dream or No Dream part for me works either way. Uh, For example, presume that it's... Uh, is not a dream, but, you know, an implanted memory from recall or whatever. Like, it's mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. that whole thing. One must then ask, okay, uh, where are all the radical ideas of siding with the rebels and everything coming from? Recall would not have done that. So, uh, like, unless they you had have some work- secret Marxists on the payroll there or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's our new plan. If our sexy plan doesn't work, we're switching to implanting communist revolution memories inside of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, or it's building off of his past in some way, is what you're saying, or his secret desires. His secret desires, yeah. So this would be kind of our concept of this, like, kindergarten communism thing that we've been saying, of, like, people like we have know this, it's wrong. Yeah. In his heart, on some level, he didn't, right, at the beginning, he's like, something's not right, but he doesn't have the words to express what's not right. He just mm-hmm. knows it's not fair, right? You know, he got raised like everyone else saying, oh, you should share, you should help others, you should, you know, do unto others, a golden rule. And then later people were like, you fucking dumbass, why are you Don't doing do that? Don't do that. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know? And so like he's got all this shit piled on him and everything. He, he eventually comes out of that. Uh, and this is kind of what awakens him from that. Here's the thing. The way I took this dream program company recall, I don't think, I think there would be protocols in place so that it doesn't go like this because they don't want you thinking you can do a revolution. They don't want you thinking about that. They don't want you peeling back the veil. They want you to have a controlled experience. They say like, oh, we have all these packages where you can, everything is perfect. So if everything's perfect, like I I just, even if you're Ah. a secret agent, it would be a propagandized secret agent. Right. You'd be good. You'd be the good guy. You'd be working against the rebels. Yeah. So that's, I don't know. I think that's a little, even though they they had had that line about like, oh, it picks up on, you know, it's, it could be free form, whatever. I thought that was bullshit from the, the, that doctor guy and not real because everything else was so carefully programmed down to the kind of woman you can fuck down to like the however many star hotels and food and stuff like that. I think it's weird if this was a dream. This opens three possibilities now. Oh, okay. okay so okay. one, it's real. Yeah. I like Two, that. it's an implanted memory that works the way it was supposed to work by recall. Some secret Marxist in there in recall. Uh, yeah. Or they just, for some reason have lax protocols, which I don't think it's okay. right. Or it doesn't open it, but, the one that the doctor was specifically saying was that this fucked up and this is running with your brain, right? And it's just... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not supposed... It's, it's supposed to be controlled. Right. It's off the rails. It was supposed to be more propagandistic and good and all this, but now it's just working off of your own fears and shit. And so it got crazy and that's what you're... Okay. In. And those fears are personal to Quaid. Yeah, so it would just be based on Quaid's brain. So that gets to the innate thing that you were talking about. Okay, okay. I could I could buy that. Which is possible. I think that's better than a constructed fully by recall. Because that just doesn't make sense. Why would they do that? Yeah, I think you're right to nix that because of the government. I mean, being very authoritarian. It's not going to allow that. Yeah, I mean, I, immediately when I, I heard about the recall thing, I was like, oh, they're going to use this for some other shit too. You know, like... If the government has the ability to control memories, like they're going to do some nasty stuff and confirm yeah. they did some nasty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, anytime they put you under for anything in that society, who's to say they don't do a little Oof. recall, you know? Ugh, truly, truly of like. I guess if I have to come down off the fence, I would say real because it's cooler. I Same. I want it to be real. I I think it is. I was in my original interpretation of that last line was. Oh, maybe they're just being cutesy. Like it was romantic banter. But classic me, I think it has as much meaning if it's real or not real. Like I think that Quaid and thus the viewer, especially if we're taking our radical interpretation of it, has gained as much of an experience from either way. Like like he's going to be different. If if he is a construction worker, he's going to be different. I also think we have to say if, if that ending... Uh, or, or if we're going with that ending and we've nixed recall working well, then he is actually having the schizoid embolism and is dying <laughs> or is just, you know, his vegetative state. So he, he will be different in that way, but uh, he won't yeah, come he'll out be different that way. Okay. never mind. I thought he would be okay. But I, I do think about that, that the significance of it is still, you know, he still built this big meaning of it. you know, and I think that's the, that's the point like uh, that he took this journey. You know, and changed. Right before he died. 
True. Yeah. So Bummer. hopefully that wasn't the. Hopefully that wasn't. <laughs> I the hope outcome. not. I don't like it. Uh, okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm gonna be real with you. My rating. I gave this a C. I here's the thing. I would still give it a C in terms of I don't want to rewatch this because I found it extremely boring to watch because there was so <laughs> much fighting and chasing. Yeah. That I would just like look away. I it's, I physically can't force myself to focus on that. Like it's just it's white noise to me. Yeah, I get that because you're very anti that. I just don't care about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just no. signals to me time to take a look at your phone. <laughs> so generally, I'm like that in fight scenes. For This had a retro appeal to me, fight scene-wise. So I actually did watch the fight scenes and the chases and everything because it was just like so low-tech in comparison. And But no, I get that for sure. But I, I like the, the chunks that are in there. I just want... I want, they could have done some editing from, we need a Christine's cut, which is just like, and then they fought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, like, I don't give a shit about Running from that. place to place. Yeah, like scenes. they have those, the silent movie captions and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, fight for action scenes. <laughs> yes. But, okay, but uh, the themes I would give a B plus. I, I think I still had some issues, which, which I'm not going to rehash because I'm tired and I'm hungry, but... <laughs> I think they could have pushed a few things a little further. Um, I like what was there, but I could have gone with a little bit more. All right. Yeah. I usually do star ratings. I was going to give it yeah, a... Yeah, I know. I don't know why I did letters today. I'm going to stick with my star rating, though, and <laughs> give it a three star. I think that's about equivalent. Because I had to do a lot of lifting. I af- Afterward, seriously, I was sitting there with Abby, and I was like, I don't know if I can... <laughs> Text Christine and see if we can do a double header or something, or I don't know. I don't know if there's enough. I had the same thought. I as I was dropping off Kyle today, I'm like, really curious to see how Gray's gonna stretch this one out. And look at us, we did it. We've recorded for two hours. Yeah. So <laughs> We're idiots. It, it, but it was fun. I was like sitting there stewing in it for mm-hmm. like a couple hours afterwards. Like, oh, but this. Oh, but this. Very, uh, you know, freshman year film student or something. Of me, but I got it done. You did. I just think I had to do more lifting than ordinarily an entry in the communist movie night canon mm-hmm. would, uh, would yeah, warrant. Yeah, this one, bit of a stretch. That's on me. I last The first it's time okay. I watched this, I was quite sauced. And <laughs> I was like, Oh, hell yeah. This is like, you know, they they literally sell air, you know. <laughs> Kick your ass. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't bad. So that's why I'm giving it three. No, it wasn't bad. There was some, there was some, some good stuff in there. But yeah, could have gone further. Yeah. Next week, what are we talking about? We're shooting the shit, man. Just the use. All right. Excellent. Uh, we'll see if the world doesn't burn down by then or various other <laughs> calamities that we have to focus the whole thing on. We'll see. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll catch you later then. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. 
If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up and coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.